Hello, and welcome back to The Move Femme, where we're celebrating the highlights of 2023 in women's cycling. We're going to cover spectacular wins, dramatic losses, and the retirement of one of the world's best cyclists. But first, a word from our sponsors. It's getting a little cold out here. I live in California, and um, so under 60 is cold for me, but that means indoor season is not only just back, but our friends at Zwift have had a busy summer and there's never been a better time to get started riding indoors. We love Zwift for so many reasons. I think, I don't know, one of my favorites is that they're the title sponsor of the Prix-Roubaix as well as the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. And we are welcoming back, uh, we do Wednesdays as well as Suffer Sundays are still going on. And our co-host, Mari Holden. Mari, you host a ride too. On Swift, I do. I host a ride on Monday mornings and uh, the HCC Wellness Ride. So come join me on that too. I've been up at five thirty a.m. the last couple of days on Swift, so it's winter season and I'm ready to go again. But what I really love is kind of the community that gets going when you're out there. This morning, I was riding, scrolling through some of the other athletes and just saying hi to a bunch of people. I know from all over the world, Amber Neben's coach was on there, a few others. It's it's a lot of fun. Zwift is great. Zwift is amazing. And also the whole entire Watch the Fong campaign and getting more coverage and women riding bikes is incredible. And I've been on Zwift quite a bit. As you guys know, I've been injured. But Zwift has offered its smart trainer, the Zwift Hub, is better value than ever. So it's $599. And not only do you get a smart trainer with a pre-installed cassette of your choice, but you get one year of Zwift annual membership right there. So, I mean, Mari and I are going to be on Zwift hanging out because um, she gets up at 530. So we might actually not be on Zwift together. (laughs) I can't help it. I try and get my workouts done when I can. And, you know, that's the greatest thing about Zwift is you can be riding with people all over the world and, you know, having a great time at 530 or six in the morning if that's when you choose to work out. So it's great. It's community all times and there's racing all the time, too. So it's awesome. So don't forget, we have the including of the return of We Do Wednesday and Suffer Sunday. Head to Zwift.com to grab your Zwift Hub. Don't forget that Zwift Hub, use that code, Zwift Hub, for free shipping. So not only do you get a trainer, a year's membership, but also free shipping. I mean, we like bargains, Mari. The best hanging out together. Yeah, and come ride with us. (laughs) Come ride with us. Maybe we get Spencer out there too. You, you might Colorado. see me on the on the We Do Wednesday versus the Suffer Sunday. That's the more accessible ride, I'd say. Yeah, Suffer Sunday is definitely a, an ordeal. <laughs> 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 but We Do Wednesday is but, a lot more social and fun way to get your day going. Yeah, so head to Zwift.com. Use that code Zwift Hub for free shipping, a free membership, and a new trainer. And remember to always watch the fun. And now for another one of our sponsors, Mari, uh, you're always reminding me to take care of myself. I like to come in hot, <laughs> stay in hot, and I don't ever slow down. So you need someone to team. help you and take care of you, Allie. And, and so I, I do my best. <laughs> so like from reminding me to rest, go to sleep, um, brush my hair. Um, and then also you have done a really good job of helping me r- remind me to take care of my skin. Which brings me to the support for today's episode that comes from OneSkin. And this is right up my alley. It's like 
we're outside a lot. All of our outdoor adventures can be hard on your skin. And before I became a professional cyclist, I was actually a biochemist. And One Skin is founded by a team of four PhD level longevity scientists, all females with over 15 years of experience in the study of the biology of aging. This team is amazing. And um, Spencer, you're Youthful glow is almost as good as George's, but you know, oh, TBD. That, it, it could- <laughs> I don't know. I'm uncomfortable even with this with this uh, comparison. I don't know if anyone can compete with George. <laughs> George but actually, I, he cares a lot, just like Mari and I care a lot. Um, but we also uh, once can just sent me. I have some here on my desk. It just came in the mail. They sent me a wonderful care package um, with a really cool traveling case and. Basically, it's a all for one, like just a topical supplement for your face. And after testing thousands of peptides, they discovered OS1. And you're a huge fan of this. Mari, I, I am a it's huge a fan. One, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, and Allie, I mean, I, I love that they sent you a case because maybe it'll actually make you take it with you. Um, but I think that, that the one of the best things about it is how simple it is. And that's a big problem with skincare in the past is that you had so many different things that you were trying to get in the right order and right time of day and all these things. One skin has made it really easy. And in my opinion, the easier it is to use something, the more you'll make it a part of your routine and, and having a routine in your skincare is like the key thing in order to, you know, making sure that you do it every day, twice a day to take care of yourself. And over the years, I mean, you're still young, but when you get old, <laughs> it gets a lot, it gets a lot more difficult. And I see, I think that once you're over 50, you start seeing the differences of people who've taken care of themselves over the years. And people who maybe let it slide when they were younger. So paying attention when you're young and making a a good skincare routine that um, is easy to maintain is going to help you help help your skin stay healthy. It's been amazing, Spencer. Yeah, we we highly suggest it. And also, um, I got a facial cleanser, a little prep going on and some eye cream as well. But I will tell you that the OS01 face is amazing. Just one bottle, put it on. And it's scientifically proven to reduce signs of aging and also take care of your skin. So one skin is for everyone that wants to prevent or reverse the signs of aging with a groundbreaking approach. We need to make sure Lance keeps using this, right? Reverse that whole sign there. It addresses skin health at the molecular level, targeting the root causes of aging. So skin behaves and feels and appears younger. It's time for you to experience a new skin health routine at a discounted rate for our listeners, get 15% off with the code the move. You guys should be able to spell that the move at oneskin.co, not oneskin.com, oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code the move. And we only have one body, one skin, and only you can choose to make it better. You know, Mari, you've made me better. So one skin's made me better. Spencer, you should get on board. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, you guys bullied me last time I was on here to to get on board with the facial, um, I guess preservation routine, and, and I'm and I will get on it. And Mari just scared me straight, saying <laughs> I have until I'm fifty to take care of this situation. <laughs> it's never too late to start. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate our sponsors, and please uh, use the codes and give them some support and you'll really benefit from riding some Zwift and taking care of your skin. 100%.
And so, I mean, welcome. Here we are on the MUFOM podcast right here. We're all back. Band is back together. Um, Allie Tetrick here. I am joined by my beautiful co-host that does not need any introductions. And she's dressed very professionally today. She's an Olympic medalist, a world champion, and pretty much the voice of reason on the show, at least for me. Um, Hi, Holden. <laughs> Welcome. We are also joined today by Spencer Martin, who I promised I wouldn't call special, but I really want to, who's also a co-host of another show on the move, Outcomes. He's your numbers guy. He's got you covered. And like we were saying today, we are here to celebrate the 2023 highlights of women's cycling. Watch the fob. We have so much to cover and celebrate incredible performances, beautiful wins, retirements of one of the world's greatest cyclists, team dominance, and all the inspiring stories and racings that we've been watching throughout this year on the move. But welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks Favorite for Favorite moments? Do we, go, do we dive in yet or oh, should we heckle yeah. you more? Lance is used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, should we just dive in? I think we should dive in. <laughs> I'm, I'm, we didn't, we have not shared these moments with each other. I, I'm quite excited to hear what you guys thought were the top moments of 2023. There were some really good ones. <laughs> do I get to go first? Or yeah, you should go first, Mark. I think you're the, aren't you the American for, I found out on the last show, you're the American 40 kilometer time trial record holder. I think you get to Yeah, but it's from so long ago. I mean, it was what, almost Oh my God, 30 years ago or something. So, I mean, technology's changed a lot in that time. <laughs> and, I mean, it's kind of shocking that it's still a record. It, I, it won't be once, you know, once Chloe and like some people get out there and actually try and break a 40K record. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of fun for me that it's still there. But, anyways, like I thought this year was super exciting. Um, but I have to say, one of the top things that comes to mind when I think about the year was Allison Jackson winning the Perry Roubaix. That was like, and I think it was just super special for me because I've known her since, you know, her, her first bike race as a pro was on our team. Allie, were you on the team with us at that time too? I can't remember if you said you were or no, not. She beat me on her first professional bike race. I remember it very well. I was there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I was there with her from the beginning. And so watching what she was like back then to winning Perry Roubaix, I mean, always knew she had a ton of talent and a huge amount of heart, but she was, she's always one of those riders who just didn't get that big breakthrough kind of moment. And then to see it come through this year, where in a way that also kind of made her personality shine and that part of what's making her so like so great right now is just that people are getting to see the real AJ out there um, and doing her thing with her dancing and just, just real joy from her as a person. Um, that's just, it, it was super special to, to see that happen. Um, because honestly, like in my generation, like that kind of, uh, excitement in your personality, you know, was people would try and squash it. Like, no, you have to be more, more conservative, like more focused, more everything. And if you had that kind of gypsy ish kind of lifestyle thing going on, they wouldn't see that as something that's, you know, normal in professional cycling. Like you have to be more restricted, more, more serious. And I think so to get to see someone who really came into their own with doing it kind of their way, I, pay off finally. And one of the biggest, you know, stages ever was, I think one of the most special moments of the year. And we got to talk to her on our show after. 
So that was good too. And if you haven't tuned in, please listen to the episode on the move with Allison Jackson, the winner of Harry Rebabe. Yes. I always say it wrong, Spencer. Perry. Rube. I think you got it. Perry. Rube. Rube. You did. Okay. You got it right. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> the thing that's crazy. I have her on my list too. I rewatched the race this morning. I a she won it from the early breakaway, which is mm-hmm. crazy. But that this does happen at Perry Rube in the men's race. Um, Matt Heyman won kind of a similar slow upward build throughout his career that Allison has had. From the early breakaway, I think it was like 2017, 2016, something like that. So it has been done, but it is unusual. Probably mm-hmm. helped her because there was so many crashes that she was ahead of all those crashes and the Peloton, Peloton kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller, less yeah. firepower to chase. But the thing that really stood out to me is they're like 10 seconds from getting caught with 6K to go. And Allison Jackson was like the main engine in that breakaway. Like she's just on the front hammering for pretty much the last 20K. Um, there's one other rider that was pulling through with her an SD works rider was sitting second wheel the whole time, just breaking it up. But I, to make that calculation on the fly, like, yes, it's bad to work too much. Like I'm sure Mari, you've taught mm-hmm. many a cyclist, like don't work too hard in the breakaway, but if you get caught, that's also not good. You, you want right. to stay away until you get to the finish. So the fact that she just made that bet and went for it is, is so impressive to me. And then obviously winning once you're in the velodrome. Like it looked like she's like knew exactly what to do, but I, I, I would assume she was pretty tired and just going on instinct at that point. That's kind of how I looked at it too. When she was in those last kilometers of the race and doing an excessive amount of work where you think that there's like, she's working too hard to win at this point. Right. But I think that she just had so much heart and she wanted it so badly. You know, every once in a while, something happens that shouldn't happen, you know, because as, as a director, I mean, you're sitting there watching something like that going, Oh God, like, even if they stay away, you're not going to win. You know, it it was like, it was just so good to see it pay off for her. And when she did gamble so big, because that's a, I mean, no one in their right mind would think that's the way you're going to win Perry leading everyone into the, um, the velodrome at, at working like that. So one thing I wanted to ask both of you about as I was rewatching this. So Lada Kopecki, who won the bunch sprint for like eighth or whatever, um, probably wins it if it comes back together, has a teammate in that break, not working. Bike racing 101 would tell you, like, just stay up there. Don't work. You could win the sprint. Mm-hmm. Should they have dropped her back? Like once they ran out of once they ran out of teammates for ST Works, should she have dropped back when the gap was like 10 seconds just to try to close that down? I kind of I mean, Ali, do you, I'm all jumping first. Sorry. Um, but I feel like in that situation, it was so close. And with the amount of work AJ was putting in, you would think, and AJ would have been a, a sprinter in that group. So I, it, she like was doing too much to win, I think like, and, and dropping the SD works rider back such a short distance, I wouldn't have not sent her back either. I, I would have thought that it would have come back together or, you know, and that the SD works had a better chance, you know, up there. She she fell in the velodrome, so that's why she she, she didn't contest the sprint, but yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, if if everything had worked out according to plan, I would have thought she would, you know, be able to take it. I think that SD works, and I am looking up the writer's name and I apologize, but I feel for her. Oh my god. It's Femka Marcus, who I'd never heard of before. 
And she was a, she's a support rider. She finds herself in the early break, which is your role at times on a team. You get in the early break. She has one of the more obvious favorites in Lada Capecchi and the strongest team in the world. And she was not pulling through as hard. She was sitting in, and I think she was very confident in her sprint and she made a mistake. And I think SD works did trust her to win that sprint due to her conserving energy and being patient and they're in the radio, they know what's going on. They're not outside of the barrage. Like you can hear and see and all comms are coming through. But I think Marcus had the faith of her team if that break did stay away to sprint for the opportunity to win. And the problem is, is the group was so decimated behind Kapeki had no help and you could visually see how frustrated she was. Um, but no one wants to bring Kapeki to the line. Yeah, it was kind of the funny thing. The gap got so small that it almost got too small, too far out because everyone's like, well, I'm not going to close this down for Lotto Kapeki. Why would I do that? And then it kind of ballooned back out just enough so they could stay away. And I am very happy Allison won and I my heart does break for Marcus. That's just, you had an opportunity there. You have a strong team behind you and belief at that moment that they didn't call her back. Um, and she was probably really tired from bringing in the, yeah, being in the break. Yeah. Maybe right. she goes back there. She drops back and she can't, she can't close the gap and then you feel pretty silly. So it would be <laughs> unusual to, to have someone do that. Allie, do you want to go uh, with what's your top moment of 2023? Oh, Oh man. Um, I'm going to go with some Van Vluten, some Anna Meek Van Vluten, Van Vluting. Um, I want to give her the official 2023 boomstick. Uh, she announced her retirement, has so far stuck to it. Um, so you're looking at Anna Meek Van Vluten that started racing professionally in 2008. I raced against her a long time. She's won the Love Welta three times, the Giro d'Italia Don four times the tour de France, the inaugural re um, introduction of the tour de France bomb of X Swift. She's a world champion, in the road race twice in the time trial, Olympic gold medalist, two times of Flanders, Liege via stone Liege, Strada Bianchi. And she just raised $18,000 for a local nonprofit by selling a bunch of her old jerseys, including a bloody Jersey from Flanders, which is interesting, but it, um, it helps kids uh, learn how to swim in the Netherlands. And that's super cool. She went over a hundred victories in her career. She hit 103 this year. And I know you guys thought I was going to pick Damie or Lada, but I really think AVV deserves a major boomstick for a phenomenal dominant career. So just to watch her exit with grace, give back to the community and really Hoping she finds happiness and balance through this next phase of her life. But I, it looks like she's going to keep giving back and being a part of the sport. She loves riding her bike. She's 41 years old. She's ready to rock. I'm wondering, like, how did she choose a, a swim foundation to give her money? I mean, it's an interesting thing. I, I, sport is not surprising, but was did she swim before she was a cyclist? Or I, I don't know her history that far back. She she wasn't technically a swimmer, but for her, it's getting kids introduced into exercise and everyone should learn how to swim. And the way the translation came out is it really helps her streets. So it's just like it's in her hometown is how I, I think she meant that. But it's just 
something that she and everyone really already is. rides a bike there. They don't need help getting girls on bikes. Let's just teach them how to swim now. <laughs> so they're going to try and beat us in triathlon next too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that happening. But I think she just deserved a huge round of applause from the show for her incredible career. Um, and she's had a lot of dramatic finishes where she can win, crash spectacularly or lose, but for her longevity and I mean, all those races she's won and the impact she hopes to make, and she still finds a lot of joy in the bike. So I know that's a little off kilter, but I, I think she deserves a big boomstick. It, uh, she did do it. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, her whole career is incredible. I, I would say the one that really was like her result, the most shocking to me was when she, how she won worlds, <laughs> you know, at coming, you know, catching back on and then attacking and winning last the not this year, but talking about her career overall, like boomstick stuff. That was insane. But, um, yeah, I Olympics, I, it was yeah. the Olympics. Oh, on the that Olymp one. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Olympics. Yeah. Um, but it, she's, uh, her career was incredible. So she deserves a boomstick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy about her is she got, so she breaks her, I believe, multiple vertebrae in 2016 at the Rio Olympics and then got better. Like she was significantly better post that crash than she was before it, which for most people, you'd think that would kind of throw a wrench in their career and they might never be the same again. But she went on to be like the dominant rider in women's cycling for the next like seven years. And then I thought she had a bad year this year, just off just without looking it up. And then this morning was surprised to see that she won the Volta, the Giro tour Scandinavia fifth in pro cycling stats points. And then was like top 15 and wins for the season. And this was like down year. Mm -hmm. So I I'm kind of in, I mean, she is 41, but I'm kind of impressed. She's retiring so early. I, I was a little surprised by it. Frankly, I thought she would, she's so good. She feels like she could race for five more years and maybe not be as good as she was, but still be one of the best riders. I love how she's kind of, you know, so at peace with her like decision to, to retire and that she's going out kind of on top. I mean, she did have, you know, as you said, her results this year maybe aren't what we would have like hoped she'd go, you know, hoped it would have been, but like, you know, to go out on top and feel good about things and just, uh, you know, know that she's had an incredible career and then, you know, moving on to what's next. I think it's, it's awesome. And coming back from that, like you said, t that crash was horrible. Uh, and, you know, um, but I think about some of the people who've also come back from huge crashes that, who have also been great or not crashes, but life altering things like Chloe's leg and Lance's cancer. I mean, some of our greatest athletes are people who've gone through some of the biggest ordeals. And so, you know, it's just, it, it takes that kind of special personality and she definitely, you know, had it and watching her race all those years was, you know, lucky for us. Also really hard for me trying to follow her wheel, but, um, yes, props well, to her. Tiny she said too, she so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tiny. What are you talking about? Um, <laughs> but I agree with you, Spencer. I was surprised just prior to Olympic year. You're like, you have eight more months to race. Like that's it. Right. It, I yeah. was a little yeah. shocked on the retirement from that standpoint, but she did quote that the tour de France Fama Beck Swift win was more influential for her career than the Olympic gold, which is, that just shows you how big the tour de France Fama Beck Swift is. 
Yeah, I mean, this goes, but we talked about this last time where I was saying, would mm-hmm. Chloe Digert ever think about maybe focusing less on the Olympics, more on the Tour de France? But uh, I mean, she's a different different type of writer, but she must have just thought that she she couldn't win the Olympics. And I kind of respect if it's like, man, I'm not going to beat my absolute best. I'm just going to retire, even though, I mean, she would be one of the, I, I had a theory two years ago that Mobistar should have had her race for the men's team. Because they were kind of, they just kind of had weak spots in the team. I'm like, she has to be better than like half of the men's team. It's like, they just could keep her, they could have her racing on the men's team for like the next three years and should be like a good rider on that team. But I I respect it. I respect the decision. She must have other things she wants to go do. My top moment is derivative of Van Vluten. It's stage six of the Tour de France Femmes this year. Um, Van Vluten attacked, I think it was the Col d'Espan, the second to last climb she was going into the stage. She was fifth, um, 51 seconds down on Lotto Kopecky on SD Works. She attacks. Demi Volering has to follow her. Volering, do you guys remember this kind of weird time penalty thing where Volering got a 20-second time penalty for following her team car? So she was 103 down. So she was behind her teammate Kopecky, Cassia uh, Niadoma, and Van Vluten. So she has to follow. She goes with her. And Neodoma goes ahead, and I was I was rewatching this this morning, and was kind of sh- I didn't remember this that Van Vluten wanted Volering to come through. It was a it was a clear trap, like a classic Van Vluten trap. Like I'm gonna make you attack way further out than you want to. I'm gonna make you pull through, even though when it's not it's not in your best interest to do it. And then I'm gonna drop you on the final climb. She doesn't do it. They're breaking on the descent, like almost track standing on the descent. Neodoma's riding away and Volering has the confidence just to be like, nah, I'm going to let you ride away. I'm going to let you get a minute gap on the Tourmalet and trust that I can just attack with 6K to go and win this race. And she did. I, I was shocked upon rewatch about how quickly she, she had like a 45 second deficit to Neodoma when she attacked. I think it was like 5.6K to go. By 5K to go, she's even with her. By 4.9K to go, she's dropped her and then just kind of like easily rides away to win the whole race i was like a impressed by the the physical performance but then also the patience to just know that she had the ability to do that in the last 6k and anything else would be a waste um so that was my top moment just kind of the confluence of neodoma van vluten volering and then you had kopecky not really getting dropped and kind of holding on like i thought she for a moment i was like is she gonna win this race and beat her teammate but then she holds on to a podium finish overall I believe tied on time, right? She uh, finished. I was second. Yeah. Tied on time with Neodoma in third because she rode so well on that, on the Tourmalade. So that was my top moment of the year. Kind of all the top riders fighting for the biggest prize in the sport. 100% agree. Mari and I were in Aspen uh, together watching that and we were, we were dying. We're like, what's going on? And Cassia just, (laughs) She bought like she just she just went for it too, which I loved her tenacity in that moment too. Just she's such a fearless rider. And I know we talked about it on the last show that she just won gravel world championships, but like for her to just to send it, she's just like, screw it, I'm sending it. And she rode really well in that moment too. So there was a lot of drama interaction. And then Kapeki's performance that day to me was probably one of the most perfect. Like I knew I was like, Dame, you can do this, but Kapeki just like just staying steady and just clicking off the kilometers and the patience. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. 
to me, Capecchi was like the story on that. I mean, I agree too that the patience and, you know, the like racing savvy kind of tactics that were going into that stage were, were incredible, but the actual, you know, um, just the way that Capecchi fought for that was just, I mean, she has a fan forever, like here, <laughs> you know, how there's just those certain moments where you're like, I can't even believe I just saw that. And that was, you know, that's it. Like, I'm so beyond impressed, like at what she did, um, her to pull that off was incredible. Yeah. I loved that stage. <laughs> I said, I said stage six, it's really stage seven, stage seven. You can edit that in JB, <laughs> but, but I have another question for you guys. Should vulnerable, I mean, unbelievable, like wins the stage by close to two minutes, really racing all out for not that long. Should she have not attacked? Like, is the correct team decision there just to ride Kopecky to the, because in theory, since Kopecky got second, if Volering doesn't attack, Kopecky wins the race overall. Is there any debate there or just Volering's such a, so much better on the tourmalay that you kind of have to go for her. I felt like you had to go for her and she did wait earlier, um, and let the race play out somewhat and, you know, didn't go early, like super early where Capecchi would get, uh, gap too or too soon. Um, but I think in the end, you know, she was going for the win and that's gotta be the, the first thing that, that they're thinking about. I mean, I think anytime you start trying to get too not selfish, but too, uh, dominant like that, like, okay, maybe we can get first and second instead of just saying, you know what, we, we waited until a certain point and then we're, we're racing. Um, I, I, I think Demi had to go cause it was such a long climb and you don't know what can happen because Demi should have been able to win that climb by a good amount, but what happens if they get further up and then Demi's not as good. And then someone else goes and, you know, things can just kind of go sideways if you don't, if you don't ride the race to win. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know that's what Mari, like if I was in that position and I think I have been with her as my director before too, where you're not the best climber, but maybe you're leading the GC at this moment. Also though, it's costing a rider like Kopecky a lot more to get over those climbs. So you don't know how the time trial is going to play out. And yes, anything can happen. And Damie is probably more rested and ready to perform. And if Kopecky can stay, it's not, they did race each other at Strade Bianchi, which we all saw, which is a very funny moment. Did not make my top five because awkward. Oh, that made my but top five. It could have been, <laughs> Please, could have been the awkward top awesome. five, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, you can think about how much energy Damie as the GC leader and the arguably better climber, obviously, yes, different style of riders. So she's just going to be more prepped for those climbs. And if you're up against the likes of a Van Vluten, you, you need to be ready to cover those moves when they happen. And Capecchi doesn't have that physiology. However, we saw her diesel and ride a great climb. Like, yeah, Samari and I were just beyond impressed with that performance. Yeah, I guess you're right. With the time trial, it's so complicated. What if Capecchi's so fried from the tourmalade that she puts up a turd in the time trial and mm -hmm. then you've you've missed the win and because Neodoma holds it off, that would you would look pretty silly. Um yeah. What is your next moment, Mari? So, you know, I actually, mine brings back Neodoma again, because I was really happy to see Neodoma win the Gravel World Championships. I know it's not road, but it is a UCI um, 
a UCI win and, uh, you know, watching the Adoma race all year, so close, so many times and just, you know, always there, always making a race interesting and going for it, but never quite getting the win and just, but never giving up either. Right. And so she goes to gravel worlds and, you know, puts out a great race and gets the Jersey. I think it changes her confidence going into next year and just was just such a, um, like a feel good moment. And I guess like my top moments are all kind of these feel, feel good moments for the most part, but, but that's, what's special to me in watching racing now is, is watching people kind of overcome things and, uh, get success when they haven't had it before, or, you know, that kind of emotion that you get to see coming out. And that emotion is what makes racing exciting to me these days. You know, I love the tactics and all those things, but the emotion of seeing Neodoma win Gravel Worlds or Allison Jackson winning Perry Roubaix, those are things that really stick with me when I think about like the great moments of this year, you know. It was beautiful. It, I don't want to... Yeah, she's gonna just rock next year. Have I have a good have a good feeling. I I was very happy to see her find a success. She hasn't win she didn't want to race in like how long? A UCI race? Yeah. It was like four years. I was, I don't want to sound like a robot where it's like Mari's talking about how nice it is. Like emotionally, I'm like, and it's important because she hasn't won a race in four years. (laughs) She might be a contender next year, but I do think, I mean, she was stuck in such a rut where she actually won a lot between 2016 and 2019. And then it's kind of been like, you know, there's only so many riders that are talented enough to challenge like the Dutch Armada, let's say. And she's one of them but just like, didn't feel like she could had the comp, like she lost that winning confidence. So I do think that's an important win for next year. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see. And right now they're all out in Southern California training. I've been following there. So I'm sure you have too, Allie, but, um, they're actually only about an hour from me here, but <laughs> I'm enjoying this hot day. <laughs> um, but, uh, but they are, they're training and they look like they're bonding well as a team and having a good time. So I think that that team chemistry, will see it like, translate into great results next year all right is it my turn yeah it's your turn oh by the way i wrote like chapter titles down and i forgot to do van bluten's but it was just the og boomstick on a van bluten's greatest ever so anyway sorry um this chapter title i'm gonna do um ooh, it's lotta's world we're just living in it so <laughs> This moment is when Lada Kopecki won the 2023 World Championships at UCI Road Worlds. But that wasn't her first uh, World Championship that week. Not her second, but her third. So really impressive. When Mari and I looked at the course, we knew it was Kopecki's race to lose. Arguably, the Belgian team might not be as strong as the Netherlands on paper, but the way they worked uh, together on that course. And we saw a lot of familiar faces in the break and super punchy. And Lada is so amazing. And, but she is a woman of few emotions and she knew when to launch, when to go. And that was the biggest, most beautiful smile back to the feeling Spencer, but it was a power move that she completely bossed the race was smart, set herself right up, knew where she was going to attack. Very similar to Vanderpool attack and executed it and people are watching her and she's outnumbered and her going down that finishing shoot 
And now there's just murals around like of her everywhere in Belgium. She's, she's a very big deal. And she was before, but what that meant to her and all her hard work, like she has won world six times um, and four disciplines in the track. Um, and she's is the current Belgian national TT and road race champion has been that multiple times, but this moment to me, seeing her in the green Jersey was a hard getting second overall, the tour de France, Juan Vex Swift and the green Jersey or her winning worlds, but the tears and the emotion and how she did exactly what we knew she could do and would do. But then the pressure you have to actually execute in that moment to me, it's just, it's Lada's world. Welcome. Agreed. It's Lada's world. I mean, <laughs> but the fact that it was super worlds and that it was right after, you know, the tour and stuff, I, I thought was just, you know, emotionally difficult, not, you know, preparation wise for them to have such a huge race and so much went into a lot of winning or not winning, but you know, her tour to France of X with like, she was just on fire there. And then to come back and get right on the track and, you know, win on the track and then win in the road race. I mean, those tears were just, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of stress that that was just, you know, a culmination of all the stress that she'd had all year. Um, I, I don't even know how and, you start a process for the next year. It's kind of like, you just got to kind of enjoy it. <laughs> and, you know, and it looks like that's what she's doing in her off season right now is really kind of, you know, taking it all in and, um, you know, see her, she's back in the wind tunnel now and stuff getting ready for next year. But, um, but yeah, what a year. And we do need to also remember she lost her brother this year and mm -hmm. to come back and continue racing at a highly competitive level and becoming world champion amongst winning a lot of races, um, Flanders, I believe this year too. And then a bunch of other ones. Um, but to come back after tragically losing your brother, who she was very close to, um, to persevere through that. So it's kind of like what you're talking about earlier, Mari, just the ability to persevere, but I don't think she was compartmentalizing at all. I think she felt him, like she said, I'm riding with the power of two people. Like she was feeling these emotions and expressing them on her bike. But um, I'm really proud of her for that. Yeah, no, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine continuing to race. As you guys say, woman of few emotions. Like you wouldn't exactly, I, I wouldn't have guessed that was the case from the outside looking in. She kind of always looks the same, focused. And I was surprised how good she looked at Worlds, but I guess it makes sense if you think that she was almost, she, she was riding so hard at the tour, two week break, came into Worlds like absolutely flying. You know, like th that course must have been so hard. Like Demi Bollering, like we all know how good she is, unbelievable. And then she's cramping up, like stretching on the bike at the end of the race, like really like falling apart, al almost like a club rider who picked too hard of a group ride and just like physically can't finish it. That's like what the best riders in the world looked like. And she was hopping up those Hills. Like when she dropped, was it Cecily Utrecht? Utrecht? Her, Utrecht Ludwig. She like rode away from her so fast. So yeah, I, that was such an impressive win. That was on my list as well. Yes. Do you, what did you guys think about that course? I, I wanted to ask you guys about that. I know a lot, some people complain that it was like Criterium World Championships, but did you think it was a good racing course or not? I thought it was an exciting course. You know, I mean, it, we definitely got the best woman won it <laughs> and there was a lot yeah. of attrition 
throughout the day. It, I mean, you had to be an all around kind of rider who can, you know, ride well in technical stuff. And then the punchy stuff, it was, I thought it was a great course. Yeah, I could ideally, I would say that both the best man and woman won because I'm a huge MBDB fan so much. It makes Blaze jealous. I only watch races if MBDP is winning. Um, <laughs> personally, as a rider, Spencer, I would hate it. And Mari knows she would not pick me for that team. It's just a <laughs> lot of turns, a lot of accelerations. So I knew it wasn't like a good course for an Anamique. It's not, it's, it was, it's very specific course for a rider that could handle their bike being very confident and then deal with those accelerations. There was just a lot of accelerations, but it's similar to a classic. So two classic style riders, won both the men's and the women's. And so to me, it made it very exciting as a fan, but as a writer, I'd be like, just count me out. Like I'm dropped. Yeah. I mean, there were some narrow sections where I think, you know, you question if it's maybe too narrow for a world championships and stuff, but as far as watching an exciting bike race, I thought it was, I thought it was great. You know, it set it up for both men's and women's races, just exciting racing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you explained it to just someone who didn't know that much about cycling, they're like, yeah, we're going to do circuits in the middle of Glasgow, Scotland. They'd be like, I don't know if that's going to be a good race, <laughs> but it, it did produce the the strongest riders in the world on, on both uh, pretty much every race were in the top three. So you can't really argue with that. And I did think it was really exciting to see Peter Sagan, like in the line, he was like a hundred K to go. Like you could tell he was dying and he was about to lose the wheel. Like that was that showed you how hard it was. It was ridi- yeah. a ridiculous course in a good way. My next one is, I'm shocked that this is still on the board. Chloe Digert's world championship win in the time trial. Um, and it when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, obviously Chloe Digert, best time trialist in the world. She wins worlds. No big deal. Of course that would happen. But she she dominated it. Like the fact that Grace Brown was only six seconds back is like a testament to Grace Brown because everyone else got absolutely destroyed. Like the next closest woman was over a minute behind. Like it was just like there's riders like Demi Bollering, 128 back, Amber Neben, 152 back. And these are really good time trialists. But even the bigger thing to me is it, you know, and I kind of forgot that this happened where, you know, she wins worlds in 2019 in the time trial. It looks incredible. 2020 crashes really bad has that knee injury and then hadn't really i mean she hadn't had a win on european soil for four years since then like she won the ride london classic stage two earlier in 2023 and then wins worlds and like that's like her 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 two big european results since 2019 in my opinion that's like massive for her going into 2024 well, I agree. Chloe is, uh, you know, a once in a lifetime kind of athlete. If she can stay healthy and uh, not crash or have any injuries, she's going to have an incredible 2024. I, I, you know, worked with her from the time she was a junior. And I, I had to learn that everything I thought about <laughs> how a race needed to play out kind of similar to what we said about like Lada in the, on that climb, I, you know, you just think, Okay, it shouldn't work, but she just keeps, I mean, she keeps winning. This was in the US when she was a junior, just kept winning. And you'd see these things happening where you're like, okay, that should not have happened. There's no way. Um, She's just a really special rider. And to come back from that crash with her leg, I mean, she could have died in that crash. That's how bad it was, you know? And um, to come back and 
you know, maybe she didn't have those wins on the road, but she came back after those things and had a lot of success on the track at world championship levels and stuff. So um, it's not like she hadn't been racing, but I think what we're going to see from her in this next quad leading into 2028 is going to be a lot more road racing and going to be interesting to see, you know, what she turns it into, because basically as a road athlete, she still doesn't have the the years on the road or background and she's winning. <laughs> she wins like the, I think that if she hadn't been sick and she had done the road race, she would have been a, you know, someone who would have been up there like fighting it out with Kopecky, you know, in my opinion. So um, we'll see, but Kopecky and Chloe next year, I think are going to be in the metal wars for the track and the, the, the road. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out with more. Yeah. I mean, if you add up like every race day she's ever done in Europe, it's something like it's like 15 days. It's something incredibly small. So the fact that she's this good now, I agree with you. I think she would be competing with the best riders in the world. But quite honestly, like before her crash, when she, you know, won worlds the first time, and she like in that road race, it was her one of her first road races in Europe. And she got what was it, fourth in the fourth. Like, yeah. fourth in it. It's like, who does that? Who's like fourth race in Europe is like at the world championships and they get or you know, how was less than five. And all of a sudden you're like up there doing, you know, almost getting a medal. That's like it blows your mind. It's not, it shouldn't happen. And so that's why I think that watching what, what the progression this next year is going to be pretty wild. Yeah. Chloe's yeah. on my list too. Um, I have it called the comeback. That is Chloe Digart. Uh, Mari and I just had a lovely weekend with her two weeks ago in Miami mm -hmm. for best buddies. Uh, that was so fun to ride with her That was fun. in her national championship kit. And she's amazing. So yeah, I, I don't have to reiterate anything that was said because let's just say major props, comeback, mental tenacity. She's also, I love the way she approaches bikes. Like a lot of athletes celebrate their like really long hours at like all this. She just like gets on her bike and gets it done. And she's like back in two hours. She's like, cool, did my work. <laughs> and she, and then she does her other like work. No, but she does have this really cool approach, right? Mari, it's just like, she starts out hard. She finishes hard and she's not out there like for seven hours riding her bike, but I find not it very putting in fun. junk miles. That's for sure. You know, she's not. Yeah. yeah. But she, but she's definitely focused. I mean, there's, oh, she doesn't spend one minute on her bike that doesn't have a purpose. So yeah, she may not be putting in the miles where, you know, just extra miles, but what she does is very, very focused. I really love that about her though. She's like all business and then takes care of herself and has, you know, a good life and Yep. Oh man, I can't wait to watch the, the showdowns. Should we do some uh, more words from some of our sponsors of the show? Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, we should talk about this because this is how my brain operates. Like I'm like a laser focused pinball where you don't know where the pinball is actually going to go, but it has like a lot of lasers behind it. So it, it can bounces just... around a lot. <laughs> it bounces around. Um, so I have some uh, some shots in my refrigerator um, and they're not the shots you're thinking, Mari. Don't worry. Um, I have some HVMN in my fridge and it is the world's first drinkable ketone. And it's on these nice little shot bottles. Keep them refrigerated. And if somebody asks you, they they taste a little tart. 
But that's okay because I'm really enjoying the benefits because you can see all this latest innovation on ketones and it has all this improved effectiveness um, and the cost has come down. But what it does, it offers you clean fuel that crosses the blood brain barrier, supplying your brain and body sustained energy, which sometimes I have some nice slumps, but most of the time my energy level is like turned up to 11, but mental focus, focus and sharpness. And it puts me in this really nice flow that I can sit here still with you guys on this podcast. Have you, have you tried HVN? I have, I, I would say the tart, it is tart, but it is, the, the <laughs> servings are small so you can get through it. And, you know, JB is like, I think him and I are aligned on maybe coffee overconsumption at certain times in our life. And he swears that it, you know, helps him consume less coffee. So that, that is a big, uh, that's a big appeal to me as well. I have one cup of coffee a day. And oh you don't want to see me on, on more cups of coffee. Like you, you want to limit me at one, but what I like about HBMN, it gives me that like sustained energy. So it doesn't make me jittery. And I really do think it helps me focus and get done with, you know, work like this podcast. I'm just kidding, but it, it gives me a good state of flow. So it's not like drinking an energy supplement that makes you just all like launch into orbit. So I, I think it's a good with that whole flow thing. It happens a lot, but actually a lot of pros have reached out to me since we've been doing this podcast and doing ads from HVMN. They're like, Hey, can we get some? Because 60% of the teams on the tour de France are using it. Um, and also they have an active $6 million contract with the U S special operations command. Super cool. So high level athletes and whoa. Yeah, high-level people are using HBMN. So we can save you 30% off your first subscription order of Ketone IQ at hvmn.com slash the move. Again, visit hvmn.com slash the move and subscribe upon checkout for 30%. I'm just going to have to give all my friends that are writing me from the Peloton this code. And we have another sponsor, which is really exciting because this is something Mari and I use every single day. And we love AG1. And AG1 can come in a big container that you can keep at home. But what I'm a huge fan of right now is the travel packets. And Blaze, uh, my husband and I just went to Mexico for the week um, for Thanksgiving. And when you're lacking the salads that I'm used to, Put a little AG1 in your suitcase and every morning he's like, gives me my cup of coffee, just one Spencer, and gives me my AG1. (laughs) So I love it. Um, It has all the vegetables, vitamins that you need in one simple packet or buy the bigger canister for at home and you can use it. And it's really great to for gut optimization, stress management, immune support, and I mean, I've been using AG1 since I, before I got on the show. So um, I've been using it for years. I think it's a great product. And like Ali said, the fact that they have the travel packets now makes it, you know, as everyone can tell, like if something's easy for me, I'm going to maintain doing it. And so having the travel packets that I can just throw in my bag along with my one skin. <laughs> now my, my travel bag is getting smaller, but it's really effective. And I think that the AG one's a big part of that. Plus I like the taste. Uh, there are a lot of these, um, 
mixes out there that claim to, you know, have the vitamins and everything. And, you know, they just don't taste right. Um, but I love the way the AG1 tastes. So that's a big part of it for me. So with skincare, it's about the ease of the like program for AG1. It's definitely about making it easy and not messy, being able to just put it right in the bottle and deal with it that way is, is the easiest. Yeah. AG1 is a supplement that we trust to provide the support of our body's needs and every day. And that's why um, they've been a partner on the show for so long. I got introduced to AG1 through the MOVE team and I have been hooked ever since. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. And you know, Mari and I like those travel packs. So go to drinkag1.com slash the move. Once again, guys, I, I need repetition here. That's drinkag1.com slash the move. Check it out. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to podcast hosts do the, uh, the, the promo read. <laughs> I can't remember it when it comes to purchasing. So that's good. You got to say it many times before we, we pick it up. <laughs> Yeah, I need repetition. That's what training is on the bike. And um, I need to remember to breathe too. So should we do our last partner or wait for a couple more rounds? What are we doing? Let's do our, our last partner. I'm I'm excited to hear this ad read. Helix Sleep sponsored the move um, uh, for the Tour de France Famavec Swift. And Lance was making some funny jokes, like how many pillows did I use versus my husband? And we were there on our honeymoon. Like we got married and we flew and did the Tour de France Famavex with the Move podcast in Aspen. So it was a quick turnaround. And so Lance was making these jokes and he's like asking honeymoon questions in the pillow sense. And he said, Hey, can you, we have this mattress sponsor, Helix Sleep? Do you guys want a mattress? And Helix Sleep was amazing. They sent us a mattress. So by the time I got home from the Move podcast, we got to go online, pick like who's a side sleeper, who's a back sleeper, the firmness, the softness of the mattress. And it showed up at our house and it's in a box that you have no idea a mattress actually could fit in. And you like open it up and undo the plastic and the mattress comes out. They actually, um, we also got a platform bed frame that's really beautiful from the site as well. And I ended up getting one for my guest room too. Um, so we bought a house, got two Helix Sleep mattresses and it comes with a 15 year manufacturing warranty, a hundred night trial, and you can return the mattress and then pick if it's too soft for your partner or your cat or whatever, or hard, you know, you can get a new mattress and they will donate the mattress that you want to return and they will send you additional mattress to make sure that you're comfortable. And honestly, we sleep like babies and it is amazing. And all the guests we've had, which is like basically my parents and that's it, um, <laughs> have loved the mattress. <laughs> And I actually sold a few to a couple of my training partners because they're like, what is that mattress? Because it's affordable. It comes in easy to assemble. You don't have to have like furniture crew coming in and setting up your bed. And then I'm able to just pick what matters most for me and my cat's sleep. Also my husband's. I have to admit, so, I got the, I also got one and I thought the process was really easy how to order. Cause you go on the site and it asks you all these questions and then tells you which bed you should order. 
And like Allie said, when it arrives and it's in this little box, I'm like, seriously, that's my mattress. <laughs> but then, but then you open it up and the thing just kind of like, it just expands and, um, and it's just amazingly comfortable. And as with everything else, like anything that's going to help you with your health is something that I'm really interested in. And, you know, good sleep is something that's really important to me. Um, so being able to sleep well and not toss and turn and just wake up and be feeling good, um, is, is important. And the Helix sleep mattress is a big part of that. So yeah, you just can head on. Yeah. You can head online, take this Helix sleep quiz and in under two minutes, you can find your perfect mattress. They have a new Helix elite collection. Um, and they are highly rated number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. But of course, you guys, Helix Sleep is amazing. So they're offering our listeners up to 20% off, which I have passed this code along to at least five people that have since purchased these mattresses, which isn't a lot, but that's just me texting people. But 20% off all mattresses uh, orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to helixsleep.com slash the move. This is their best offer yet. And please, this is where your sleep starts now. So go to, Spencer likes it when I do repetitions, <laughs> go to helixsleep.com slash the move and get 20% off plus two free pillows. And we're using all those pillows. It's amazing. It, it's my opinion that we're living through a mattress golden age. Like if your mattress is uncomfortable, there's no excuse for not just this. This is as good as it's going to get. Just get a Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep. You, you won't regret it. Get rid of the uncomfortable mattresses. I feel like before I was 30, I could sleep on like rocks or it wouldn't matter. <laughs> like I'm so sensitive to what I'm sleeping on now. It's it kind of freaks me out. Like I'm I might have an addiction to Helix Sleep. That's probably a good thing to be addicted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to I have to fly with it. I have to check it when I fly. So should we do our, uh, our last round of, of favorite moments or yeah. top moments of the season? Yes. Last round. And since this hasn't been discussed yet, I have a feeling it's going to be, but I have it called from florist to best in the world, Damie Vollering and her riding with her dogs for training. <laughs> No, in all seriousness, she rides with her two dogs in her backpack uh, for training. But I didn't have one particular moment to celebrate for Damie, except she is the number ranked female cyclist of the year with 17 wins. Um, the Queen of the Ardennes did the full three sweep of the Ardennes, won the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift. And then she has these two cute dogs named Pip and Flo. And she's also been on our, our show um, and her stories are incredible. And I just thought she showed so much growth and tenacity into 2023 and confidence and really focusing on her mental performance. Like you were talking about earlier, calm and that chaos and playing gamemanship, but also being confident in her ability as a writer to watch her literally flourish. And she did start her career as a florist. So it's cute. Um, but I'm going to go with her riding with her dogs in her, in her backpack and camping with her, uh, fiance. Jan. People are probably going to be like, oh my God, it's Allie and Demi again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they think we have That's a thing what... for Demi, but you know, we've also talked a lot about Lada. So I, I think they have to know that we're, we're not totally playing favorites all the time anymore. <laughs> no, but I love that she rides with her dog too. It's really cute. And I think, Though with that, I wrap in the 17 wins is remarkable and 
her progression and what she can do. And as we're looking into next year, and this is just a couple of facts. So there's 15 women's world tour teams. That's opposed to, I believe, 18 Spencer on the men's side of things and uh, quite a bit less riders, but 240 riders are women world tour riders. Um, SD works, which is Lada and Damie's team, like are the t- best team overall. So on the men's side, it's Pagachar and UAE for those. But on the women's side, it's SD works and SD works won by like, just like a landslide over a little track. Like, so I think I kind of had that looped in just an overall team dominance to celebrate, which some people ask, is that too much? I think it was you Spencer, but you should still celebrate that opportunity that these riders can win. And then also how many races they won throughout the year and just follow Damie's dogs on Instagram. Her life is... She lives like I'm like she lives in Switzerland, which I'm curious about. I would love to just interview her about that. But she is like an outdoors woman. She is always like she seems to like live in a van and is like always out kind of, I would say, more dynamic training than you'd see a lot of top cyclists do. I'm kind of surprised. It's cool to see, but I was surprised to see it. Clearly, it's working for her. I, I was I, I was also myself trying to figure out how to like sum up her season because it was so good. I do think the Ardennes sweep kind of gets forgotten about because her tour win was so impressive, but that was like a really strong way to start the season. I thought it took her from a really, really good rider who was one of the best in the world to like undisputed best rider in the world. Like that was a big stepping stone for her. And I'm she was amazed. riding. Oh, go ahead, Mari. No, no, no. I was just saying that like, I'm amazed how late she came to the sport and has moved up that quickly not even just in the season just in general like like, you know she's not one of the ones who started when they were a junior or something and then just kept going yeah and if you haven't listened to our podcast with Damie she was writing me writing me during the Ardennes and I was like hey do you want to be on our podcast and she wins you know flesh and she's like sure and then she wins like Liège and I'm like, well, maybe you should just wait till you win Amstel too and then hop on the podcast. <laughs> She's like, whatever works, maybe that's better. And so just like her graciousness too to write me and hop on the podcast. And then I was like, Mari, I hope she gets the sweep. And she did. But she did start a little later, but I think that is, you know, it's more common in women's cycling than men's. And it's probably more shocking that she's Dutch and started a little later, but she, yeah, grew up on a, a, on a, as a florist with her family's farm. And then she was a speed skater. And what I thought with her Ardennes sweep, not to take away from all the amazingness at the Tour de France Fama Vex Wift, but with that Ardennes sweep, that is what made her get into racing bikes. And she was out there living in a van, <laughs> camping in a van with a girlfriend and they're leaving the campsite. And she wrote this story about this, but she was leaving the campsite and there's a dude dressed up in cycling kit. And he's like, where are you guys going? And she's like, we're going to go do the Liege best only age. And we're, and he was like, huh, you girls can't finish that. And she felt so mad. She's like, I'm going to prove him wrong. And then now she's like, I hope he remembers me (laughs) as I just won all three. But she was there with her fiance, uh, Jan, who he was racing at the time. And yeah, so just her transition into cycling has been remarkable. But I do enjoy her playful aspect in the sport of, yeah, she's out there camping. They're like hooking on stoves up in the Alps. And it's it's fun, but I, I can't wait to see what she has next year as well. It's, you know, I'm excited. 
my my last one is like is I guess vulnerable adjacent, but Strada Bianchi, and this kind of gets forgot about because it was like there was an unfortunate there was a few unfortunate things about that race. But I, I actually did kind of like the end where Volering and Kopecky just rode apparently there seemed to be miscommunication where Volering thought she was gonna get the win gifted and then Kopecky was racing for it. I, I actually like to see that. I thought that was fun, kind of refreshing. But Kristen Faulkner broke away with like 46k to go. It was like 40 between like 50 and 40k to go. Really hard move. And then held it until 600 meters to go. I mean, that's and being chased by Kopecky and Volering. Kopecky bridged up to Volering later. Probably a good move because then it gave them the firepower to close down um, Faulkner. But that, that's hard to do. And like newcomer to the sport, she was disqualified later for um, kind of a weird, messy. I guess miscommunication about how you can use a super sapiens glucose monitor, but like setting that aside, I thought that ride was like, was really impressive by Faulkner. That takes a lot of power to do that. Like when she went, the race was on, like everyone was on the limit and she's riding off the front of everybody. And then I also liked Bullerine tried to come around her on the inside against the buildings in the finish. And she like blocked her out, which is totally what you should do there. So I like to see that. Yeah, I thought Faulkner was riding amazing, it, you know, and she is one of the big hopes that the U.S. has right now for the future. I mean, she had uh, her crash after that and stuff that kind of put her out for the year. But um, but she that was such an incredible ride and an exciting race in general. I mean, we had a lot to talk about for <laughs> we spent a lot of time dealing with that one. But that was that was a great race. And um not to not to jump too far ahead, but it also brings up the American riders. And that was one of the last things that I wanted to talk about was the success of uh, the success of Veronica yours, too. I, I just wanted to add that as my little piece because I she her fourth place at the Giro was really, you know, pretty amazing for an American who's just starting in the sport, too. And unfortunately, she had her issue at the uh, the tour, but I think that she's going to be another one for us to keep an eye on this next year. That's a good pick. She's, yeah, like really, I'm not super under the radar, but most people probably don't know about her, but yeah. we could be sitting here next year being like, wow, I can't believe viewers won all that. Like, where did she come from? But she has been getting better for quite a long time. And, you know, a lot of that I think is her quiet personality you know i mean some people are more out there and, and require more attention but she kind of flies under the radar and she's just been coming up and um, i think we're going to see a lot out of her in the grand tours um so i think it's going to be really exciting but, but the combination that um Faulkner, that that ef is now going to be a real dominant when american well all of our americans are on that team practically next year so that's going to be an interesting development for us too it's like a new, a new old team. That's a new team. Is that right? Like that yeah. it was like a separate team they were sponsoring and then now they're rolling it in house. So it's like EF's own team. And I mean, that's, it's unfortunate because Linda Jackson had run such a great program for so many years. I mean, Allie rode with her um, and I raced against her when she <laughs> way back in the day, but, um, but she had run the, that program forever, but they lost their sponsor this year. Uh, so, she, and she couldn't replace it. So um, that piece of it, her ownership went away and then EF started their own women's program. Separate. Do you know what, like, will they have like resource sharing with the men's team or are they totally? I, I believe separate? it is. No, it's, it's one team now. So it's okay. all, it's all under the same umbrella. 
Um, and that was the change because before it was basically Linda's team um, that uh, Tibco was a part of EF, like they were sharing some resources. And um, but then now it's going to be all EF. We'll see. I mean, you know, I thought the exciting piece about it is that they've really brought on a lot of the American women. And so basically most of our world tour level women next year will, a lot of them will be on this EF team. So it, for us, it's really exciting. To, we haven't had something like that happen since T-Mobile, which was, you know, in the early 2000s. And we got a lot of our best athletes out of there. I mean, Didi Demet, Barry got her medal out of that. We got uh, Kristen Armstrong came into that program, Amber Neiman. We had a lot of the track women come through there too. So for us in America, it's a great move to see this, this happening because we want our women racing together and understanding, I mean, similar to the Dutch women, you want to, your team to know each other and race together and try and win together. And that's how we're going to see success on the world level for world championships and Olympics and such. So I think it's a, it's huge for American cycling. Yeah. I remember that team that that was like the, the cool team back in the day. Did you feel like having, I mean, the budget I think was like, it, it was like the modern day, it would be like UAE or team mm -hmm. sky, the massive budget on the men's yeah. side. Did you guys benefit from that or was it just totally separate? No, I, it, we did benefit from it. And I feel like that's how come we saw so much success in the, in the two thousands, like, you know, with our, with our women over in Europe, um, was a big part of what was because of T-Mobile. And then of course it, it got more international and, you know, Tutenberg and a lot of other women came into the program, but, um, but it, but it was really huge for American cycling. And, uh, you know, you can't ignore the fact that human powered health also has put more money into their women's program too this year. Um, but they don't have as many American women on, on their team, but, but we have some good teams coming out of the States right now. So I, that is something that I think is really exciting moving forward into 2024 is hopefully we start, um, really being able to get our women over and racing the high level racing that we need in order to be successful at Olympics and world championships. Well, and grand tours, <laughs> let's just say success in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have, wait, did you go, did you go on this round, Mari? Do you have one more? Um, I kind of did when I, with the Veronica Ewers thing, I guess oh, yeah, yeah, the, only, yeah. the only other thing that kind of stood out to me, and it's not really a highlight in the sense of something great that happened, but I think that something that needs to, you know, be mentioned uh, as unusual for the year was, um, Marion Voss's injuries, uh, you know, her iliac artery issue and the fact that they're saying that now she might be able to race again for cyclocross. I think the fact that the, her second surgery is coming back and successful, hopefully they're taking the time to really make sure it's right. But, um, but the fact that she's going to thinking about racing again is, is I think a huge thing too, because this year was obviously a struggle and hopefully going into the Olympic year, she's going to be healthy again. Yeah, that'd be great to see. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't, I kind of can't imagine coming back from that surgery. It's not something I would want to do. No, I mean, I had the same surgery and it's a, it, I felt like her first time coming back was quick, you know, but I mean, it's also a, a lot it was 20 years ago when I did that. So, you know, things have improved, but, um, but when she started complaining about the leg, leg crampings and stuff. And they were saying, Oh no, she's just coming. I was like, no, that sounds like it's uh, it, like it's the injury still. And so, um, 
I'm glad she, she got it fixed, like get back in there right away and, and get it taken care of. And, and hopefully like making sure this time the recovery is, is good. Um, she'll come back into next season healthy and the Marion boss that we're used to seeing, and that'll make the racing a lot more exciting to bringing that kind of energy back into things. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed and <laughs> sending some prayers. <laughs> Well, do you guys have anything else or should we, should we wrap this up? Well, um, I think we can wrap it up. I think the last, the last moment of 2023 is uh, thanking all our listeners to the move, uh, regardless of your favorite version of the move. We really appreciate you listening to the move them and Spencer, we appreciate you uh, joining us today, as well as the entire We Do team. We've got JB, Colton, Bolch, Lance, George, boy, so many people. I'm missing somebody already. Um, Cam and and I just wanted to say, like, take the time to celebrate this team here uh, at We Do and the Move and our community that joins us on Zwift, that listens to the podcast, that watches the farm, and we just wish you like. A heck of a 2024 and happy holidays. Happy holidays and see you on Zwift. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Be a be a win. Be oh, yeah. a Wednesday, everybody. <laughs> Supper Sunday. And I wore the short the shirt for George. So see you in the douches. I felt it was really appropriate for our highlights of the year because we are wrapping it up. But um, thanks for joining us, guys. And um, always a pleasure. So here we go to a rock in 2024. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> thanks for inviting me back on guys. It's I, I watch a lot of women cycling, but I don't get to talk about it that much. So it's, <laughs> it's fun to pop on the show. Well, if you take care of your skin with one skin, you can join our show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean bullied again, skin bullied. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Bye. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.